Good morning to all you folks joining us online. Thanks for tuning in. If you've got a Bible, I want you to grab it and go with me to 1 John chapter 3 and just hold that ready for a moment. This weekend, we continue this sermon series called The Power of One. More than anything else, this series is about living intentional lives. Uh, I, I would describe it like this. You know, sometimes life is complicated and sometimes it's not. And for Christians, it shouldn't be complicated in this sense. If we would just make the commitment to identify those singular things that God asks us to do, the really important things that He wants us to do, then we can take a giant step forward, not just in our personal spiritual lives, but in our witness in the world, our spiritual impact in the world, and on and on. So more than anything else, what we're talking about is living deliberate, intentional lives, pursuing the things that matter the most to God. I'm not a photographer. But I do know that you can buy a camera that has a feature on it called a fixed focus. And when you have a fixed focus, that means the lens is automatically going to be able to identify and zero in on the subject of the photograph to make sure that the subject is a sharper image than all the other objects that are in the picture. I, I think it would be really cool if we had a similar feature in our physical lives, in our brain or in our eyes or maybe in our heart where as we went through life, we just were able to focus in on the things that mattered the most. I think that would be a great thing. We're going to talk about that this morning with regard to love. We talked about it last week with regard to living a life of purpose. We're going to talk about it this morning with regard to love, something the Bible talks a lot about. In fact, the Bible says that the defining characteristic of a Christian is love. The defining characteristic of a Christian is love. It's not knowledge. It's not being a member of a certain political party or having a certain political agenda. It's not some kind of religious accomplishment. The defining characteristic of a Christian is love. I'm someone who, like many of you, grew up in church my entire life, and I remember so much about it, um, so much of the detail, the people, the experiences, the things that I learned. And when I was a kid in church, we used to sing a song, and it was real simple, and the words were, love, 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 the gospel in a word is love, love thy neighbor as thy brother, love, love, love. I wonder, does anybody recognize that song at all? Okay, that's way far more hands than anybody, any other service. So some of us here grew up in really spiritual churches. Most of the people in this church didn't. I'm surprised by that. It's really simple. Love, 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 love. The gospel in a word is love. Love thy neighbor as thy brother. Love, love, love. Really simple. We'll go like this. Love, 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 love. The gospel in a word is love. Love thy neighbor as thy brother. Love, love, love. Really simple. In fact, sing that with me. Love, 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 the gospel in a word is love. Love thy neighbor as thy brother, love, love, love. Okay, the thing that was really cool about singing that song and the reason why I liked it when I was a kid is because we always used to sing it in a round. How many of you know what that is? <laughs> Thank heaven. You know, Kim Tabor did tell me before the service that this was the smartest crowd. She did say that to me. I didn't even try this last night. I took one look at that group of people and said, forget it. We did pretty well at 9.15, but this obviously is the smartest crowd, okay? Well, we're going to, it may be the dumbest thing I've ever done, but we're going to try it. But before we do, let's sing it. It's so short. One last time to ingrain it in our minds. You ready? Love, 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 the gospel in a word is love. Love thy neighbor as thy 
my brother love, love, love. Okay, here's how you sing it around. I'm going to start with these two sections and everybody up on the shelf right up here, okay? And you're going to start and you're going to sing love, 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 love. The gospel in a word is love. Now, you are the key. Everything hinges on you, okay? <laughs> because you got to keep singing. Okay, love thy neighbor as thy brother, love, love, love. Because I'm going to go over here and I'm going to start them, okay? And they're going to be singing the opposite part that you are. So if you stop, then everything's done. We're going to fold up and go home, okay? Because I don't think I'll have, I won't have the heart to go on, all right? So, and here's what we're going to do. Once you start singing, wherever you start singing, we're just going to sing it three times, okay? So when you finish your third time, you stop right where you are, okay? Are you guys good over there? All right, here we go. Love, 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 the gospel in a word is love. Love, 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 the gospel in a word is love. Love, neighbor as thy brother, love, a word is love, 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 the gospel in a Love thy neighbor as thy brother. Love, love, love. Love thy neighbor as thy Love thy neighbor as thy brother. Love, love, love. You were the best. That was awesome. Now, here's the deal about that song, okay? The song itself is outdated. The style of singing is outdated, but the message will never be outdated. Somebody say amen to that. The defining characteristic of the Christian life is love. We may want to make it about other things, but it always has been and always will be love. And just so there's no question about what that love is supposed to look like, there's a great story in the Gospels that makes it clear. It, it's found in more than one of the Gospels, but we'll talk about it for just a moment from the perspective of the Gospel of Mark. One day, a teacher of the law, an expert in the law, comes to Jesus, and he asks this question. This is Mark 12, 28. Of all the commandments, which is the most important? And here's how Jesus responds. This is Mark 12, verses 29 through 31. The most important commandment is this. Listen, O Israel, the Lord our God is the one and only Lord. And you must love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. The second is equally important. Love your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus says, no other commandment is greater than these. And so this is what this love looks like, this love that we're talking about. Jesus says, first, you need to love God with everything. Everyone say everything. Everything you've got. Everything. Nothing's held back. You love God with everything you've got. Now, I don't think that that's a difficult thing to understand. Everybody understands what that means. It's very clear. Our first priority as Christians in life is to love God. But then Jesus goes on to say that we're also to love our neighbor as ourselves. And honestly, friends, this is where we sometimes drop the ball. Even though Jesus says this second commandment of loving your neighbor as yourself is equally as important as the first one. In fact, Jesus literally said, after he said to love God with everything that you have, he said the second is equally important. Equally important, love your neighbor as yourself. And listen, this command from Jesus, this instruction from Jesus to love your neighbor, to love one another, 
It's a consistent teaching. It's a consistent theme all throughout Jesus's life. In fact, one of the most memorable moments in Jesus's life came sometime later. It was uh, he and his disciples alone in a room. It's shortly before Jesus is going to be betrayed and arrested and taken off to be falsely accused and tried and crucified on a cross. He knows he's spending his last precious hours with the disciples. And at one point in the evening, as they were gathered together in that room, he says these words to them. This is John 13, 35. Your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples, that you are my followers. That's how it reads in the New Living Translation I relate to it better in the NIV Bible where Jesus just says, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Now, here's the deal. I said this a moment ago. Oftentimes, we can be guilty of trying to make our primary identification as Christians in the world about something else, and that could be anything. It could be any number of religious activities to any number of religious pursuits, the keeping of rules, and on and on and on. But as far as Jesus is concerned, when it comes to our lives as Christians, it's all about love. Love for God first, but love for others as well. And here's what we need to understand beyond that. When, when we talk, when the Bible talks about loving God and loving others, the Bible's not talking about two different kinds of love. When Jesus says that first we love God and then we love our neighbor as ourselves, he's not talking about two different kinds of love. Listen, friends, he's not even talking about two different levels of love. It's the same thing. And I can say that with certainty because when I read this in my Bible, whether it's no matter what translation it is, the word, the Greek word that's used in the original language for love, whether it's love for God or love for our neighbor, is the exact same word. It's not two different kinds of love. It's the Greek word agapao. And here's what that means. It means our love for God and our love for our neighbor is the same in that it is a choice we make, a purposeful, intentional, and active choice that we make. It's not just emotion. It's not just sentiment. It's a measured choice. Now, again, our love for God is to be first above everything else, but the love we show to our neighbor, and remember, Jesus taught us in the parable of the Good Samaritan that our, la- our neighbor is pretty much everyone that we meet, especially everyone that we meet with a need. Our love for our neighbor is not a lesser quality of love not lesser than the love that we have for God. And here's the reason why, because the love that we show to our neighbor, the love that we show to other people is a reflection of the love that we have for God. Think about that for a minute. I mean, that's pretty significant. The love that we show for our neighbor, the love that we show for others is so incredibly important because it is a reflection of the love that we have for God. And so if we ignore our neighbor... For example, what does that say about our love for God? Well, I want to talk to you for a few minutes about what it looks like to love your neighbor, what it looks like to live your life in a way where the defining characteristic of your your life of faith is your love for other people. And I'm going to do that by using a passage in 1 John chapter 3. And so if you've got your Bible open there and you're able, go ahead and stand with me for the reading of the Scripture. Now, before I read it, I'm going to tell you, I've got my... New Living Translation Bible here today, which is different than what I've used for years and years and years. In fact, last week I used this. I went home, and we have a family lunch every Sunday, and we're sitting around the table, and about 
three minutes into lunch, my daughter, Tricia, was sitting on this side of the table. I was sitting at the head of the table, said, I would like to issue a formal protest against the New Living Translation Bible. I told that story last night, and somebody over here said, amen, really loud. <laughs> well, here's the deal, okay? I mean, honest transparency. My New International Version Bible is literally falling apart. I have so many pages in the Bible that are no longer attached to the cover and the binding that I'm just, I'm, I'm afraid I'm going to lose pages out of the Bible. So the good news is I found somebody who can rebind my Bible, and, and that's about to happen, but it will be a little bit of time before I'm back with the NIV Bible. Okay? 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 This is still the Bible. I wouldn't come up and read a book that was not the Bible, so no more foolish amens in those settings. I'm going to start reading in verse 11 of 1 John chapter 3. You follow along. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. Note that he says from the beginning. The message hasn't changed. So you should love one another. We must not be like Cain who belonged to the evil one and killed his brother. And why did he kill him? Because Cain had been doing what was evil and his brother had been doing what was righteous. So don't be surprised, dear brothers and sisters, if the world hates you. If we love our brothers and sisters who are believers, it proves that we have passed from death to life. But a person who has no love is still dead. Anyone who hates another brother or sister is really a murderer at heart. And you know that murderers don't have eternal life within them. We know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us. So we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. All right, there it is. You can be seated. As always, we ask God's blessing on the reading and the hearing of his word. Let me just, let me just give you some quick things about how we can position ourselves to love one another in a way that honors God. If you're someone who likes to take notes, just write down next to number one, this first truth. The first thing we do is embrace the command. And by the way, I'm not gonna go verse by verse through that passage. I'm just gonna use some truths from that passage. But number one is you gotta embrace the command. And here's what I mean by that. The first step to loving others in a significant way is understanding the non-negotiable nature of this command. When the Bible says, love your neighbor as yourself, like it does in Mark chapter 12 and verse 31, and when it says, this is the message you have heard from the beginning, we should love one another, like it does in the first verse of our text, 1 John 3, 11, that's not just a suggestion, it's not just a guideline, and it's not just a random idea. It is a plainly stated, not open for discussion command from God. The Apostle John, who was the author of this New Testament letter we just read from, 1 John knew this. He received this truth directly from Jesus. That's why he wrote what he did as we begin our text in verse 11. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. John got that message directly from Jesus. John was there in the room the night Jesus spoke those words from John 13, 35, when he said, your love for one another will prove to the world that you are my disciples. He was there. He heard Jesus say that with his own ears. He's the one who recorded Jesus' word in his gospel, the gospel of John. And in case you don't know or you don't remember the setting, 
where Jesus spoke those words when he said that the whole world's going to know whether or not you're real Christians, whether you're followers of mine based on your love for one another. In case you don't know or you don't remember the setting for that, that was when Jesus was having a last meal with his disciples and he got up from the table at one point in the meal and he wrapped a towel around his waist and he went around the table person by person by person and he washed their feet. Do you remember that story? Every one of them, even Judas, and Jesus knew what Judas had already done and what Judas was about to do in his betrayal. And he washed Judas's feet just like he did John's. I love that story. I love the way the gospel of John in the 13th chapter begins. And honestly, I love the way it begins the most in the way it's written in the NIV Bible. And so let me just put the words of John chapter 13, verses 1 and 2 up on the screen because this is how John begins to record that event. It was just before the Passover feast. Jesus knew that the time had come for him to leave this world and go to the Father. Now note this next line. Having loved his own who were in the world, here's my favorite part, he now showed them the full extent of his love. And the very next thing that happened, friends, is Jesus got up and he wrapped that towel around his waist and he began to wash their feet. And so... John was there. He had that experience of seeing Jesus do that. And then he had the experience of hearing Jesus say, this is how the whole world is going to know you're my disciples if you love one another. Let me ask you a question. Do you think any of the disciples from John all the way down, do you think any of them ever forgot anything about that night with Jesus? Do you think they ever forgot any detail, not one single detail of that last meal with Jesus? where he washed their feet? Absolutely not. And that's why it was so easy for him. Of course, he was also writing under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, but that's why it was so easy for him to write what he did in 1 John chapter 3 and verse 11. This is the message you have heard from the beginning. We should love one another. And when he says we should love one another, he's saying we should love everyone, not just people who are like us, but everyone. What was it, a couple of weekends ago? On the Sunday night football game, a picture of Ellen DeGeneres and former President George W. Bush sitting next to each other in the private suite of Jerry Jones, the owner of the Dallas Cowboys, uh, during the Dallas and Green Bay game. A picture of them sitting next to each other laughing in that private suite. And almost immediately when that picture went up on the broadcast, uh, Thousands and thousands of people took to social media, in particular Twitter, and they posted about their anger and disgust over the possibility of those two people being friends. Why? Because one is a gay Hollywood liberal and the other is a conservative Republican former president of the United States. And Ellen received a lot of backlash. In fact, she received much more backlash than President Bush over that picture. So much so that the following week she addressed the criticism on her television show, and here's what she said in part. She said, I'm friends with George Bush. In fact, I'm friends with a lot of people who don't share the same beliefs that I have. A little later she went on to say, when I say be kind to one another, I don't mean only the people that think the same way that you do. I mean be kind to everyone. Now here's the deal. I know very little about Ellen DeGeneres. I really don't. I mean, besides the bullet points, she's a gay Hollywood liberal, right? 
But I do know that she has a reputation for kindness and she has a reputation for generosity and benevolence. But she has a lifestyle that is in opposition of pretty much everything that I believe based on a biblical worldview. But I have no problem standing up today and saying, I applaud her. Especially when she said, when I say be kind to everyone, I mean be kind to everyone. Because that sounds like something Jesus would say. When he said, love your neighbor as yourself, when he said, love one another, he didn't qualify it beyond that. He didn't qualify it based on who that person was. He only qualified it based on whether or not we choose to obey. And that's an incredibly important distinction to make. That's why a little bit later in our text here from 1 John chapter 3, this time in verse 17, John, remember, who saw and heard this from Jesus when Jesus was still alive in the world, he goes on to write, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? I read that verse and I think you can make the case that the most important word in that verse is the word sees. He says... If someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? When you're going to live out the instruction of Jesus and you're going to love God first, but you're going to love your neighbors yourself, then you're going to live your life with your eyes wide open so that you can notice the needs that are around you. And this is a very important thing because love is always, real love is always looking for the next opportunity. Write down the second thing here that I think we need to do to position ourselves to make sure that the defining characteristic of our life is love. The second thing I just call spring into action. And I know I just read it, but I'm going to go back and read verses 17 and 18 again. Just read them together. John writes and says, if someone has enough money to live well and sees a brother or sister in need but shows no compassion, how can God's love be in that person? Dear children, let's not merely say that we love each other. Let us show the truth by our actions. You know, there are times in our lives, in all of our lives, when we hear about or we see, about, we see different circumstances where somebody's going through a difficult time and, and maybe we might even know them and we might even go so far as to say to that person, wow, I hate it that you're going through this difficult time, but I want you to know you're in my thoughts. Or if you're really spiritual, you might say to someone, wow, I hate that you're going through this difficult time, but I want you to know that you're in my thoughts and you're in my prayers and I'm not minimizing the importance of prayer. But if we take to heart what John wrote there in verses 17 and 18, what we just read, then when we see or discover the different struggles that someone is facing, we need to spring into action by being willing to do whatever we can to help. We should always be willing to pray for people, but we should also leave room for the possibility that we might be the answer to the prayer. You might be the answer to someone's prayer when they're going through a difficult time in their life. That's one of the reasons why I love change for a dollar. And we were blessed last night to have the woman who was the recipient, the change for a dollar recipient with us in the service. And we can close the service by putting hands on her and praying for her as she's waiting for her house to be rebuilt. I mean, how tragic would it be to be on vacation and find out that your house was on fire and to come home to find that you lost every precious personal, almost every precious personal memento of your life. I mean, don't you find that the things that are most valuable to us are not really valuable in terms of earthly wealth? They're valuable to us because they're connected to our heart. 
and the people that we love. But you know what? Oftentimes, the change for dollar stories are even greater than that. I mean, how many of us have not sat through church and listened to those change for dollar stories and just felt heartbroken for the things that people are going through? And I love this change for a dollar. Sometime, the last time we did some calculations, we discovered that, that sometime in the month of February, we're going we're gonna to hit the point where we have received more than a million dollars in change for a dollar money just by getting a dollar a person a dollar extra a person when you come to church. And, that, and that's just one simple way where we get the opportunity to hear about somebody's story and then respond in a way that can make a difference. And that's, we do that together every weekend corporately. But what about you in your individual life? What about me in my individual life? When we hear about or we encounter uh, the needs that people have, Oftentimes, we need to allow for the possibility that we might be the answer to someone's prayer because love is expressed through the things we do. Love is an action. When Jesus said that we are to love one another, he wasn't saying, listen, friends, listen, followers, these are the feelings I want you to have. He was saying, this is the action I want you to take. In his book, The Road Less Traveled, author Scott Peck writes and says, love is as love does. Love is as love does. Now, that sounds familiar to us because we saw the movie Forrest Gump. We remember that his mom always said, stupid is as stupid does. But this is different. This is way more important. Love is as love does. John makes it clear that love requires an action on our part. And remember, John is teaching us that, remembering that he received that instruction and that example directly from Jesus, who on this difficult night in his life decided that even though he had already loved his disciples, he wanted to show them the full extent of his love. And so he got up and one by one by one, he went around the table and he washed their filthy feet. Love is an action. Number three, real quickly, we position ourselves to be able to live out this reality of love, to make sure that the defining characteristic of our life of faith is love by being willing to make a sacrifice. So, right, be willing to make a sacrifice next to number three. Obviously, we're not working our way verse by verse through this text. We're just picking out some verses, and I want to look at verse 16 with that in mind. I love this. John writes toward the end of our text, we know what real love is because Jesus gave up his life for us, so we also ought to give up our lives for our brothers and sisters. In other words, we know what love is from Jesus because Jesus made the ultimate sacrifice for us. On October the 20th, 2009, a suicide bomber entered the women's campus of Islamabad's International Islamic University. He shot the guard on duty and made his way with a bomb strapped around him toward the cafe, or the cafeteria rather, where there were hundreds and hundreds of female students eating. The janitor on duty was a man named Pervez Masi. It was his very first week on the job. His pay for the job that he had was less than $60 of U.S. money a month. But he saw this man and immediately knew what he was doing, and he intercepted him in the doorway to the cafeteria and stopped him from going any further. When he intercepted the man, the terrorist detonated his bomb, and he killed himself, 
He killed the janitor, Pervez Masi, and he killed three other people. Had he made it into the cafeteria, the death toll would have been in the hundreds. The results would have been catastrophic. The interesting twist on the story is that this janitor, Pervez Masi, was a Christian living in Pakistan. In Pakistan, Christians are in the minority, and traditionally they are among the least regardest, poorest people in the community because they're shunned by all the other people as a result of their faith in Christ. But he became a hero that day because he gave his life to save the lives of hundreds of female students. One professor said it like this, he rose above the barriers of caste, creed, and sectarian terrorism. Despite being a Christian, he sacrificed his life to save the Muslim girls. Another student, a woman who was in the cafeteria that day whose life was saved, said this to the reporters, he's now a legend to us. It's a tragic, tragic story, but at the same time, it's a great story because he was a great man. And the truth is, none of us are probably ever going to be called on to make a sacrifice like that. None of us are going to ever be in a position where we're going to need to lay down our life to save the life of someone else. But what we will be in a position to do is sacrifice our time and sacrifice our plans and sacrifice our money, and sacrifice our passions and other things to demonstrate the reality of our love for a brother or a sister who's in need. In Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4, Paul writes and says, and I like the way this is so clearly phrased in the, in the NLT Bible, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. Be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others as well. In other words, he was writing there to the church in Philippi, and he was saying, listen, this is what love looks like. Don't be selfish. Don't look out only for your own interests, but take an interest in others as well. And it strikes me today as we close, and Brian and the team can come to lead us in our final worship song that if you really honestly want to live a legendary life, then all you really need to do is to love others with a sacrificial love. That's it. Be willing to love others with a sacrificial love. All throughout the New Testament, we're told again and again, this is a consistent teaching. It cannot be missed that we're to love one another, but not with a surface-level love. We're to love one another with the same kind of sacrificial love that Jesus demonstrated for us. And remember, one of the reasons why is because the love we have for others, the love we have for our brothers and sisters, reflects the love that we have for God. And what that means is if you or if I say that I love God, that we love God, then that's something that can be pretty easily established based on the way we love one another. I want you to pray with me this morning. Father in heaven, thank you for a chance to open up the Bible and spend some time talking about such an important part of the Christian life, loving our brothers and our sisters, loving one another loving our neighbor as ourself. And I pray that you would really convict our hearts
to recognize that that is the single defining characteristic of a life of faith. Even though we might want to establish or replace it with other things, that is, from the words of Jesus, the characteristic of a life of faith. And so help us to live that out, maybe even in legendary ways, because of the sacrifices we're willing to make for one another. And help us, Father, to remember that we're to love everyone, not just the ones that are like us, not just the ones that are easy to love, but everyone. Help us to do that in Jesus' name. Amen.